Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Holy Communion. We're so glad you have joined us for this audio sermon. You can find a full archive of sermons on our website, holycommunion.net. This sermon was preached on August 23rd, 2020, the 12th Sunday of Pentecost, by me, the Reverend Mike Angel, Rector of Holy Communion. life-giving, liberating God. Amen. God seems so very absent. The people are suffering. People who survived a famine are now oppressed by the state. They're killed without warrant by officers of the regime. They're forced to labor without pay, treated as prisoners, treated as a threat. And God seems absent. God is not named as an actor in this first chapter of Exodus, except by the midwives, Shipra and Puah. If it weren't for their naming God, this chapter would be hopeless. Naming matters. Who do you say that I am, asks Jesus. And for once, Simon Peter gets it right. He names the one before him. He calls Jesus the Messiah, the Son of the living God. There's power in that name. Others had names for Jesus as well. The Pharisees called him an interloper, a heretic, a blasphemer. The Romans saw him as an irritant, an enemy of the state, a protester. Names are powerful in the gospel, and they're powerful in the story from Exodus. Shifra and Pua, that we know their names is itself important. We don't hear enough women's names in the Hebrew Bible. These are the first women named with careers. They are midwives. Shifra and Pua provide the context of liberation into which Moses is born. These wily midwives use Pharaoh's prejudice against him to save lives. As St. Augustine said, lex in justa non est lex. Dr. King translated, an unjust law is no law at all. The story begins as Pharaoh rises over Egypt, a Pharaoh who did not know Joseph. That is to say, this Pharaoh didn't know his history. And Pharaoh is afraid of them. There's the name, powerful name, them. The other. This Pharaoh names the people of Israel as other. Let us deal shrewdly with them, those people. They're multiplying too fast. They have too many babies. Pharaoh says to his people, blame them. Pharaoh uses scapegoats to distract from his own failings. He says, kill their boys. He could never say, kill our children. Them is a powerful name. Can you imagine Shipra and Pua listening to this order? Unable to believe their ears, but unable to express their disagreement for fear of their lives, they try to hold composure. They back out of the throne room. You see, Exodus tells us that Shipra and Pua feared God. That is to say, they knew that Pharaoh's name for the Hebrew babies did not match God's name. 
These children were beloved, worthy. Their lives mattered. It's the only time God is named is in Shipra and Pua's fear, in Shipra and Pua's action. The midwives defy Pharaoh, and they lay the groundwork for other women to act. This chapter of Exodus does not tell us the names of the other women, but later the scriptures do. Moses' mother, Jochebed, hides her son. She weaves a basket and plugs the holes with pitch. His sister, Miriam, keeps her eyes on the basket as it floats down the Nile. Bathia, Pharaoh's own daughter, walks along the water and sees the basket, hears the illegal child's cries. She takes pity, scripture tells us, and she has compassion. Something causes this woman to move beyond her privilege. This compassion she feels, it, it does something to her. It changes her. Not only does she save the child whose death had been ordered by her father, she also employs the child's mother. She provides a wage for the work of mothering. She reunites the family. Later on in the first book of Chronicles, buried deep in one of those long lists of ancestors, we learn Bathia's name. We learn that she not only saved the Hebrew child, and she wasn't a one-time accidental ally. Bathia became part of the family, not just by adoption, but by marriage. She married a Hebrew man named Merid. We learn that she named one of her own daughters Miriam, after Moses' sister. And this name, Bathia, it matters. See, in Exodus, she is called simply Bat Pharaoh, daughter of Pharaoh. But First Chronicles changes her name, Bat Yah, daughter of God. Through her defiance of her father, through her decision to save a child, to join God's people, her identity changes. A generation later, God's people are freed, famously walking through the Red Sea. But the quiet, defiant, persistent work the hope of the women, Shipra, Pua, Jacobed, Miriam, and Bithia broke the ground. Moses' way was set up by the women who raised him up. Their example of faith paved the road of salvation he walked. Shipra and Pua, the Bible tells us, feared God. Even when God seemed absent, even when God had not yet acted to save the people, even while the lash and the mistreatment were at a height, when the judges of the land ruled that Hebrew lives did not matter, these women feared God. Their defiant hope paved the way. As I considered the women in the first chapters of Exodus, as I considered the lineage of defiance and hope that we inherit as people of faith, another faithful and yet defiant character came to mind. You may never have heard the name Polly Murray. She's celebrated as the first black woman ordained to the priesthood in the Episcopal Church. And Polly was ordained late in life. Priesthood hadn't been a possibility as a first career. I'm grateful to have been raised up in the church that eventually found the guts to ordain Polly Murray. 
a church that even had the guts in recent general conventions to name Polly a saint. The Episcopal Church was just one of the institutions in which Polly Murray faced discrimination. Growing up in the Jim Crow South in segregated North Carolina, Polly Murray called Jim Crow by another name, Jane Crow. Jane Crow names the double discrimination Polly faced for race and for gender. I thought of Polly Murray this week as I read the stories of the women in Exodus, because like them, Polly was ahead of her time. Polly was arrested for refusing to sit in the back of a bus years before Rosa Parks. She was one of the first women to graduate from Howard Law School, having failed at her attempt to sue her way into the University of North Carolina's law program. At Howard, Polly wrote a thesis about school segregation. The thesis would be dusted off years later to become the framework for the Brown v. Board of Education case. Polly figured out how to break segregation itself years before Thurgood Marshall argued the case to the Supreme Court. And Polly's life was hard. She fought depression. And Polly had to hide her sexuality and her frustration with gender binaries. Polly is regarded as a forerunner of today's trans community. Having rejected feminine dress and even the name Anna chosen by her parents, she preferred Polly, which was more gender fluid. And Polly Murray was often called ahead of her time. But without women and men and people like Polly, the groundwork wouldn't have been laid. If you ask me where God was in the Jim Crow South, I would say, go and find Polly Murray, who knew God and so knew separating between us and them always leads to inequality. God names us all worthy, beloved, redeemed. Without the faith and the defiance and the persistence of folks like Polly, we don't arrive at moments like Brown v. Board of Education. Polly is one of the giants who lend us their broad shoulders and point the way to freedom. We need to learn more names like the Reverend Dr. Polly Murray's. In times when the hopelessness of the world oppresses, in times when the news seems all bad news and God seems far off, the trail is already being blazed. Shipra and Pua knew God and defied Pharaoh. Jacobed and Bathia conspired to raise Moses right. Moses' sister Miriam stood by to watch over him at the river. Miriam would later stand with Moses to sing God's praise the morning after the Red Sea parted. Polly Murray refused to sit down on that bus or in classrooms where she was called names. She demanded respect when the laws and the culture were against her. See, faith isn't blind optimism. Faith is the clear-eyed, rule-breaking love. Faith can change the world. In times when hope is obscured, those are the times we most need faith. We need defiant faith, patient faith, hopeful faith. Yes, next week we will thank God for Moses. 
We will thank God for the loud liberators, for those who we know how to celebrate. We will thank God for the big breakthroughs and for those who lucked into the time when the world was ready for a breakthrough. But first, thank God for the women who whispered God's name when doing so was a crime. Thank God for the women, name those women, whose defiant faith cleared the way we hope to walk. Amen.